0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: It is our final show here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio
0: for the season.
1: For the season,
0: we're I not hope it's going. Not our final show? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Steve? No sound. <laughs> I mean, we're straight to business here. Steve's like, this is it. Steve's putting the like bow talk. on it. He you just guys. had the, the bumper and straight to us. He said enough of the shenanigans. Get right <laughs> to our guest, the
1: Hall of Famer, Phil Esposito. What what a way to end the year outside of a Stanley Cup than with Phil. And it's always good to talk hockey with him. He uh, joins us here. If people want to respond and get on Twitter, hit us up there at Bolts Radio. Phil, it's, it's great to be with you. Thanks for coming on. And you got all it's this like... time on your hands. What are
2: you going to do? I don't have worry, I got lots to do. But this is this is cool. This is cool to be on again like this, uh, because for the first time in I don't know how many years, what is it, four years, maybe five years, where yeah. we're not uh, you know going on, and at least till sometime in the middle of May or whatever. But um, I don't know. It, 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 I thought that this was a year of a little bit of a transition for for the Lightning. Uh, and when I say that, I'm, I'm talking about it finally caught up to them of all the games that they have played in a short period of time, especially during the pandemic and, and the lockdown and all that other stuff. And uh, it was hard on these guys. They looked... Tired and I thought they played better in Toronto anyway, but that's another story. Puck luck, remember David? I said puck luck, (laughs) yeah. I I noticed that that. (laughs) I've
0: noticed in this second round series, all of a sudden the puck luck started to go the other way a little bit, and Toronto's down a little bit. Isn't that funny how it works? Well, uh, Phil, let me ask you about the series because I think everybody was wondering if the Lightning would be able to flip the switch from let's be honest, a a pretty blasé finish to the regular season. Right. And it's clear that they were able to do it. Greg and I were impressed with how much they were able to improve their play, even more maybe than we expected in the first round. What did you make of how well they played in the first round? Were you surprised based on what we had seen down the stretch run in the regular season?
2: Well, first off, I, along with you guys, were really impressed that they were able to turn it on like they did. I I didn't think it was possible. As an ex-player, I never thought that you could do that. I always thought you had to get on a roll in the playoffs. But I thought they they turned it on. They played great hockey. They really did. They just did not get the puck luck. (laughs) I keep saying that. They did not get that. They didn't get the breaks, and sometimes that happens. And when that happens, you just take it and say, okay, let's look at the tapes and all that, and you say, wow, we played pretty well there. We did. We did okay. We played well here. We played well there. And they get a break here, a break there. And there's no doubt in my mind, and this is not sour grapes, I don't care whether people think it is or not it's not sour grapes that third game we got rooked by the officials and that was the worst officiated game i had seen in the last 10 15 years if i could remember past that i probably saw some bad ones then too and that's all i know as the supervisor i got to talk to him and he just said, okay, Phil, okay. They had a bad game, a real bad game. And if you notice, they never worked another game in the playoffs, all of it. Never worked another game. And uh, it's too bad. It really is, because I think it changed the whole outcome of that series, that third game. Because we would have been up 4 2. And I'm talking about the, the way he blew the whistle and points scored just wrong totally wrong and but what are you gonna do you know they, he made the mistake my old buddy <laughs> 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 and i just thought that that really was a game changer during the whole thing because uh, you go to overtime and lose three in a row in overtime and i hear them say on tv Boy, the Leafs dominated. They didn't dominate anything. They really didn't. You win three games in overtime, you had to be puck luck. No doubt about it.
1: I wanted to ask you about Braden Point. Do you think he's their most important forward, Phil?
2: Ah. Well, there was no doubt I thought he was hurting. Both David and I up, up in the booth, we, we thought he wasn't uh, 100%. He didn't have that breakaway speed that he usually has. He's a very important part of this team. There's no doubt about it. And uh, there are a couple other guys that I didn't think had very good series at all. I thought Cooch uh, did not have a good series. I thought he played very well in the first game. I remember walking back with you, David, to the hotel saying, I never saw Kucherov try so hard and work so hard. And that was it. He didn't do much the rest of the series. And um, if I I ever get to to sit and talk with John again, Cooper, which I'm sure I will, (laughs) or any of those coaches, And Dave knew, you know me, with this line changing. And I've watched the other games. You see how fast, especially Seattle guys, they go to that bench and so do the Florida guys. As hard as they can go, our guys do not. We change slow. And when you change slow, you give the opposition a, a chance. I don't care if it's a second or two seconds. That's a chance for them to score. And I just think it's wrong. It was a pet peeve of mine as a player. And it's a pet peeve of mine when I was coaching and managing. And now it's a pet peeve of mine as a broadcaster.
0: I think a lot of people have looked at the Lightning's run over these last eight, nine years that they've been to... Four finals, they've won two, they've been to a couple of other conference finals, and now they lose in the first round, and, and people might be inclined from the outside looking in to say, well, their window is starting to close. Personally, Greg and I don't feel that way based on the I ages of a lot of their players. Yeah, but I was going to ask you, what do you think about that, given that most of their core is still, you know, the, the players are still in their 20s.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. As a matter of fact, I think they they found something with radish and perbix perbix that I didn't think they knew they had. Well, maybe they felt it, but they weren't sure. But they certainly found that. And um, I and the other thing for me is, you got to identify who you really like your top four centermen. I've I've said this all along to you, David, privately. I think you get your top four centermen. Who the heck are they? If we can say, let's say right now, okay, Point, Stamkos, Sorelli, and Paul. You have those four guys at center with your goaltender and your three best defensemen, whoever they are. Is it uh, Hedman and Sergachev, And who's the other one? Chernak, unfortunately, has had some terrible injuries with the concussions. He's had some problems, but he would probably be the third, I think, in my mind. So now you've got a pretty good now. Then you go to your left wingers. Who would you be your number one left winger? Would it be Hegel? It seems to me he's certainly played well, played well, and he's under contract. So that now you go to the other side. what What is going to happen with Alex Killorn? He had a great year. He was great in the playoffs. But he's going to be an unrestricted. Does he come back? I mean, there's going to be some questions. But they keep putting Stamkos at the wing. And I personally, you know how I feel about that, David. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. I think that... He's a sentiment through and through, and that's where he should be.
1: Phil Esposito joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Phil, what happened to Nick Paul, and did his recent slump put maybe a little seed of doubt in your mind in terms of what type of player he'll eventually be for the Lightning?
2: I don't think anyone ever expected him to be the offensive player that he was, when he got here last year with the playoffs and stuff, I, thought, I, was, I I was shocked that he contributed that much offense. I always thought that he was going to be a, a real good defense player that would contribute between 18 and 25 goals a year and do a real good job on the defensive part of it. But he got into this mode of doing the same thing a lot of guys are doing, passing when you should have a shot. When, and uh, now, I say that in all due respect to the players because everybody blocks shots, so you can't hesitate. So if you just hesitate a little bit to look for a guy to pass to, y- y- you're going to get the shot blocked or the angle is going to be changed or something like that. So, I mean, you've got to make up your mind that the first thing you do is, you know, you get in a position, wherever that position is in your mind, where you should be you got to think shoot first and i don't think that our team has that shooting mentality i don't believe it has and and which is the new theory of every every team if you look at the playoffs now the one team that shoots a lot i think are the panthers and so there's carolina they shoot the puck at the net a lot Whether it goes in or not, it doesn't matter. They shoot it at the net, try to get it on the net. A lot of rebounds are going. Those those tip-ins where instead of slapping the puck like a maniac from uh, the point, just risking it so that you have a chance to tip it in. I mean, anybody see that Pavelski game the other night, Pavelski? when they tipped in those shots. I mean, that's that's incredible stuff, man. That is really good stuff. I had coordination. And I think that's a lot has to do with the quickness of the release of the guy shooting it from the point.
0: Phil, you mentioned Darren Radish a couple of minutes ago. What did yeah. he show you in the series, a series in which he played in some games over 30 minutes a night, Paired with Sergachev after Chernak got hurt, they were seeing a lot of Austin Matthews. And how impressed were you that in that moment he was able to play as well as he
2: did? Very. I thought he got better. When when he first got here, He was he was okay, but he was unsure. As the season progressed, he got better and better and better. And in the playoffs, I thought he was terrific. I really did. I thought he played well, well, uh, more better than I thought he could. Let me put it that way, because I had just seen him in training camps, right, and stuff. But I was very impressed with that man. What
0: is he? Twenty five, Dave? He's a little older because he spent some time in the minors, and maybe he Sir. needed that time. But he's twenty seven.
2: Oh, he's twenty seven. They have him under contract
0: so? for next year, though, at oh, a very team-friendly good. number.
2: That's that's good. I mean, uh, there's a few guys that are going to be under contract at a pretty good number for the team. Maybe they'll be able to sign sign a couple of those guys that, like Alex Lauren, if Alex wanted to stay here and take less money than I know he could get someplace else. You know, probably. It'd be nice if he would.
1: Phil Esposito joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. You know, we talk about the bottom six uh, so much because, you know, guys may be coming and going and the Lightning are going to have to dip into Syracuse, perhaps, Phil, to, to see if uh, they can come up and do the job with some guys who maybe would move on. Are there any guys down there? I know we don't pay too much attention to Syracuse, but a guy like Barry Boulay, Rife Force, anybody that you're kind of interested to see potentially if they were to come up and fill that role?
2: I'm not really because I'm not that familiar with a lot of players in Syracuse. I can tell you this, though. Speed. 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 And that's why this kid, Isamont, is probably going to be a regular on this team next year because he's quick. He's fast. And that's the kind of guys that you're going to have. A lot of speed, an awful lot of speed. And that puts a few of the older guys out of jobs. And there's no doubt about that. And they probably know it already. But it's a sad business. And sometimes when this happens, but that's just the way it goes. And uh, I don't know, like Barry Brulé is another guy that skates really fast. And he does score in the minors. But if you bring him up, he's got to play probably in the top six so that he gets more opportunity to score. Is there availability in the top six? These are all the questions that you got to sit down with, you know, with Julian and and John and this coaching staff and even the management staff. I mean... Those are the questions that they're all at talking right now. I mean, in my day, we would sit around and have a couple of beers and just kick it around, man, kick it around. I don't know what they do nowadays. Maybe now they drink champagne.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Phil, we gave you uh, full props for your feeling about Florida and Boston because you were on that like a month prior to the start of the playoffs. Yep. You were right. Florida won. I think what was really surprising watching that series, the Bruins were such a good defensive team during the regular season. They were almost half a goal better than the next closest team defensively in the entire league. And yet it almost seemed like in that series they forgot how to defend. They were leaving guys wide open in your spot right at the hash marks. Yeah. I know. How, do, how do you explain that? How does a team almost forget how to play? And and forget all the things they did well through a full regular season.
2: I don't know, David. I I really don't. But I can tell you this: if you remember correctly, I said if Bobrovsky gets in and he's hot, they can beat the Bruins. I thought it depended on Bobrovsky. I mean, uh, when when he's on top of his game, man, this guy, I I I, I watching him. When was uh, game two? Was it last night? It was last night. Cripe. Watching him last night, he stole that game last night from Toronto. He did. He was unbelievable, and it brought back memories of when we played him in Columbus, you know, when he was in Columbus and took us. Uh, took us. Uh, they beat us four straight. Um, when he gets hot like that, Boborowski, and it gives his teammates – um, I don't know, guts is a word, whatever the word is. And boy, oh boy, they got a leader on that team now, and Kachuk. That is unbelievable. I mean, you don't, when he was in Calgary, you know, you didn't get to see him as much, you know? We didn't out here, out east. And boy, am I impressed with that guy. He just never, ever gives in. And I, the rest of the team feeds off it. There's no doubt about it. You know, a perfect example of a guy playing in the top six when he has to when, or else he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do well is Carter Verhege when he was with us. Playing in the top six with, with Florida, he's a, he's a goal scorer. But he never got the chance to play in the top six here. And he, where was he going to play? because the guys in front of him were better at that time. So the Panthers right now are on a roll. They are on a roll, no doubt about it. But if Boborowski keeps playing like that, forget about it. They're going to win. They're going to win against Toronto.
1: What do you make of just the goaltending in general? You know, Vasi talked about he felt a little off this year just physically, but mm-hmm. we know when he's right, he's the best in the game. And there are a couple guys below him that are, are pretty elite. But do you feel like, Phil, this has just become a league where you have to split the time with your net minders? Or do you think that's just more of a product? There, there aren't many legitimate number ones out there.
2: That's a good question. I mean, if you had asked me that, during a season, I would say there's nothing wrong with a goalie playing sixty games, sixty-two games, or whatever, maybe more. But it 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 unfortunately, the more people talk about it to the goalies, and the more people talk about it in the press and what have you, you tend to believe things. You tend to believe. Well, maybe, maybe I, I do need a rest. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe I am going to be tired. Uh, Gee, that's what they keep saying, you know? And I, it happened years ago too, by the way. It happened in the 70s, the same thing. I remember when I got to be 36, 37 years old. Boy, he's, he's getting old. He's got to stop. Can't play anymore, whatever. Still scoring forty goals a year, but boy, I was getting old, you know. And you you start thinking about it, and it gets in your brain, and you say, "Well, I've had enough." And if the if the team isn't that great, then you say, "I have had enough." If the team is good, it's easy to stay on, and and do that. But for goalies, like how the hell did Allan Brodeur play all those games? How did my brother play all those games? Has the game changed? Absolutely. Do the players are bigger, stronger, faster, train harder, whatever, than did in our era? Absolutely. Are these guys more talented? Absolutely. Because they start training at six and seven years old. They get tutors and trainers every summer. They make enough money where they could just go back and and not worry about working in the summertime to make ends meet and having a couple of weeks off and go back to working out and then get serious about it. It's such a different ball game because the money makes it a different ball game than it was years ago and even in the '90s. '90s, you know, I mean. It's getting better and better and better as far as the speed is concerned. But you know how I feel about that. Uh, if, if this game was meant to be th- going that fast, I think this rink should have been 250 feet by 125 <laughs> because uh, I, it, there's no interference or anything like that. And the other thing that I really think about is I think this is in a lot of sports, basketball, Football and hockey specifically, the game moves so quickly that the officials can't keep up with it. That's how fast the game is going. Like in football, the misdirections and all that other stuff, officials don't keep up with it. Basketball, the same thing. Guys are fast. They're fast. Hockey, the same thing. Fast. And it's hard for the officials to keep up with it.
0: Last one for me, Phil. Phil nobody on the lightning to a man wanted the season to end when it did. But afterward, some of them acknowledged, you know, we are going to have a longer off season for the first time in a while. How much can that benefit the players? And do you think it's more of a benefit physically or mentally?
2: Mentally. I think it's going to be a huge benefit for the players mentally. Um, Because uh, guys like Tony, Tony Cervale, who really play hard, you know, guys like that. This is going to be a great mental relaxation. Well, Headman, Sergachev. These guys are gonna and Vasy. Even though Vasilevsky wouldn't admit it because he wants to, he wants to play every day. That's just the way it is. It was interesting last night's game. Somebody said about Boborovsky did that to hold him back from working hard when he was in Columbus, too much, too much, too much, too much. But you know, that's where some guys are. And there were some guys that like I was one that paced myself, knew when I could when and where I had to do what I had to do. Otherwise mentally I would get away from the game. Never very seldom talked hockey when I got home. You know, very seldom. But, you know, when you're with the guys and you're having a beer or two, sure, you're going to talk hockey. But then it was just get home and take care of the kids and have fun and relax, you know. And I'm looking, I think it's going to benefit Victor an awful lot. I think it's going to benefit Steve Stamkos an awful lot too and Braden Point. And hopefully Cooch. Hopefully. Because Kucherov, when he's right mentally, I don't know that there's a better player in the game. But he's not always right mentally. In fact, um, he probably, of all the guys on the Lightning team, is the least one to get mentally prepared. In other words, if... If uh, Stamkos can get mentally prepared 90% of the time, Coots would do it 85%. You understand what I mean? He would be the lower guy. And that, when you have that much talent and they're that good, got to be better than that. And he's got to want to win again. And I think he does. But he's got to show it.
1: Phil, last question. Uh, on my end, when you take a look at uh, the NHL as a whole, all the parody, all the young players, uh, when you take a look at the, the whole situation, is it, uh, you feel like the game's in a, a pretty good spot, all things considered?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I do. I think that the game is in a terrific spot as far as revenue is concerned, certainly. Um, I think that the league has done a magnificent job on that side of it, the business side of it. I'm, I'm still confused about um, things that happen as far as the hockey side. I mean, how many icings do we have to have? I wonder whether putting – and I just wonder this, whether putting the red line back into play would curtail a lot of the icings. I wonder, (laughs) because, man, oh, man, and you better now get, you better have a good face-off guy, one or two of them. You better have one or two of them. If you don't, you're in deep trouble. And, boy, how many times David says the 50-50, and the other team comes up with it. And that's another thing that's got to be worked on with the coaches, got to be.
0: I saw a stat on the telecast last night, the Panthers Maple Leafs broadcast TNT had it. At that time, there had been fourteen goals scored in the playoffs within five seconds of a face off. Wow. So that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, without knowing what other seasons produce, that seems to me to be a high number. We saw some in the the Lightning Toronto series for sure.
2: Yeah, you're right, David. It is a high number. It's an awfully high number. And it's only the first round. You know, it was the first round, right? I mean, they just started the second, so yeah. uh, it's amazing. But, hey, look, face-offs are very, very important. And the sentiment's not going to always just win it. He's got to have uh, He's got to have help. He's got to have help nowadays because a lot of times it's the 50-50, as you see. We lose an awful lot of 50-50s.
1: Well, let's hope that changes. Heading into uh I next so. season. And uh, what are you gonna be doing this off season here? Are you gonna a lot of golf uh, um, same,
2: same as same old, right? Yeah, I just gotta get rid of this stupid, stupid thing I have, but uh, once that goes away and then I'll get back into golf and all that and my wife and I are gonna take a nice vacation this year for the first time. Just the two of us are gonna go somewhere and uh, we haven't done that in quite a while and um i don't know i'm make a couple appearances got to go up to canada calgary the gordy howe thing i did it for gordy before and i'm gonna go yeah. back and do it again and uh, you know just do things like that and enjoy just don't go to toronto <laughs> no i don't think i will i don't think i will uh, I was so disappointed. I'm so disgusted and disappointed. A little
1: different in Toronto, isn't
2: it? Uh, I I couldn't believe it. One of the yeah. nicest... Four, five, six years ago, when the last time I was there, I guess it was, it was one of the nicest, cleanest, prettiest cities. And boy, I couldn't believe where I was this time. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Anyway... They
1: can't believe they're down (laughs)
2: 0-2. No, they can't. They should have been down with us, too. Not the second game, that third game. That third game changed the tide. Even the 4-1 game, you know? Just, I mean, we had it, but we ran out of gas.
1: Well, Phil, it was a pleasure, as always, working with you this year. I know Dave feels the same way, and we'll... We'll enjoy in the you. off season, and uh,
2: hopefully we'll do it again next year. I
0: Thank enjoy you, Bill. With
2: you, dudes. Thank you, David. You take care. How's Stella, by the way?
0: Stella's <laughs> going to be busier at the hospital now that we have a longer off season. So I'll bet <laughs> there's always a silver lining, right? <laughs>
2: there's always something, right? <laughs> well, you guys have a great summer. I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, thanks, sure Phil. Bye, Phil. Take Got care, it. guys. Bye, bye. All right, there
0: he goes, the Hall of Famer.
1: Phil Esposito, the legend. I was going to say, what's he going to do without the kiss cam?
0: <laughs> <laughs> look, he's just going to have to wait until the start of next year. But he, there are certain things he loves and certain things he hates. <laughs> We've been on the air with him long enough to know yes. he loves the kiss cam. He hates scrums after a whistle. <laughs> we can yes, do like a, Phil's loves and Phil's hates, and we could so do does, a separate list.
1: Does does he look at? the uh the scrums what does he hate worse the the scrums or somebody not going hard to the bench on a line
0: change i think the <laughs> line change is bothering more
1: really dude do, Yeah, I mean, it, they it, really it is do.
0: it is unbelievable don't you think <laughs> there were a few times in this series and phil phil is the king of the uh Impromptu exclamation during flow of play. Yes, and that's what we love about him. But there were a few times where he was yelling, "Get to the bench! Get to the bench!" David, look how slowly they're going to the bench. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know what? Everybody does it though. I don't well, see too many to guys. To Phil, like...
0: that's not true because he was saying Seattle doesn't, and he knows Florida doesn't.
1: I guess. We'll have to uh, take maybe a poll <laughs> on that, but he does get fired up. And that's he okay. also
0: does not like staged fights. I'm with him on that. He's not opposed to fighting, but he he is much more accepting of a fight that is spontaneous. Yeah. And he's like you. I don't think he likes seeing somebody have to drop the gloves after a clean hit, right? when he talked about putting the red light back in uh-huh. and we may have some fans who don't remember when the red line I mean it's not like the red line doesn't exist it's right there on the ice sure. so what does he mean one of the rule changes after the 0405 miss season to bring about more offense they took away a rule that had been in place which was called the two-line offside pass so a pass inside your own defensive zone that went across your defensive blue line and the red line to a teammate was illegal. So in other words, you had to to make a pass to your side of the red line or get it out to the neutral zone, like carry it out to the neutral zone and then you could pass it across the red line. The reason they took that rule out was to create more like stretch passes, breakaways. And what Phil is saying, and he's right, once you open the door for more stretch passes, like a sp- stretch pass can be like a bomb in football, right? Like it may be incomplete. And if the pass misses, it's going to be an icing. It's going to go down the ice. So he was wondering if they put the the red line back in, essentially, brought back the two-line offside pass, Right. teams would have to basically work their way up the ice like building blocks, right? So you're not going to try those longer passes as much, and therefore it should reduce the number of icings. It would also reduce the number of breakaways. Correct. If we're being perfectly honest about it. It would. So, see I've always
1: and I've told this to Phil and he liked the idea a couple of years ago.
0: I'd like to limit the number of
1: icing's in a period. 3 or 5 and if you go over that, then you're pen- you get a penalty. You're on the penalty kill. So, early in a period you ice the puck several times, you put yourself at risk in that period. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, and it eliminates. You're going to reduce the numbers. You know, I don't. I don't know what the good number would be. Whether it's three, four, five, whatever. But you know, every period you get so many. Once you go over that, you got to put you know two minutes in the box.
0: The spirit of the rule of icing is basically to to not let a team get away with this when they try. Which is you're under heavy pressure in your own zone. You just want to get the puck out. Mm-hmm. And you know What they're saying is if you just fling it down the ice, you're not shorthanded. You can do it when you're shorthanded. Right. But if you're just looking to alleviate pressure rather than making a play to get out of trouble and fire it down the ice, you're not out of trouble. We're putting the face up back in your own end. And then they added more severe ramifications, starting with you can't change players. You mm-hmm. used to be able to change. And you can't call time out. So your tired guys have to hang in there. That's the spirit of the rule. That's why icing is a rule. But what we've seen is a lot of "quote unquote" unforced icings. It's not that the team is tired; they're just missing on an outlet. I think that's what Phil was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, if you hit your limit, right, and you're under duress, and you ice the puck under your rule suggestion, Steve, then that would be a penalty on top of the faceoff <laughs> and not being able to change players and. And all of that, which would be very, very tough, but it would it would serve as a cautionary tale to make sure that if you're icing the puck, make them count, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't don't have a missed pass go for an icing. Yep. We're gonna solve all the problems right here. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, it wasn't that that uh, be the commissioner for a day or be whatever. the commissioner. We'll bring that up at the broadcast meetings this fall.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: those are always fun, aren't they?
1: How many new rules do you think will be implemented? So well, uh, last up? year
0: there was there was only one, but we saw it. It was that we actually saw this. It was that the officials can reduce a potential major to nothing. They were talking more about high stick, but we saw it in the series with Morgan Riley. And look, I understand it. Like if if you see on replay that the high stick wasn't actually a penalty, like it was friendly fire basically. Or the player's own stick or his teammate's stick that clipped him. You should be able to reduce it to zero. But again, as you have said, Greg, once you once you start going down the replay rabbit hole, like what else are you gonna review? We've had fans write in, like, why aren't other things reviewable? Somebody had mentioned high sticking. High sticking actually is reviewable for like a two or a four, even if it's not a major. I think I might have misspoke earlier. That's one that, that they can look at. But all the other penalties, just like a regular tripping minor, that's not reviewable. That is So it gets complicated, you know, when you start adding these different wrinkles to it. Yeah. But that was the only rule change last year. We may see others this year. It's usually in reaction to something that happens often when the stakes are very high. Like they, they had a more severe standard this wasn't a rule change but it was a stricter enforcement of the cross check when mayfield cross checked kucherov in the ribs in 2021 that is true very true very true speaking of cross-checking that was one thing sam bennett did in the game last night to bunting all people and he got fined and he got a penalty in the game yep but i think Maple Leafs Nation would like Bennett to be suspended for one of the things that he did last night. He, he dragged down Nyes after he finished his check hard on Nyes, and Nyes left the game and didn't, well, he finished the period, but he didn't play the rest of the game. So I think the Toronto faithful were upset what that you, Nyes was taken out by Bennett on that play. He's a bull, no doubt. I mean, he, he plays a you, hard game. I mean, really we've seen that from him. Really hard game. What do you make of
1: that series, partner? Are you surprised by anything we've seen there?
0: Well, so last night, and I will say this because I've been consistent in saying Toronto has not played well in the playoffs. Toronto played well last night. I mean, they had a couple of lapses early in the second period that that cost them dearly. A 2-1 lead became a 3-2 deficit. But if we're just looking at which team was able to drive play last night, it was Toronto. And Phil's right, Bobrovsky stole the game. So here's the thing. If you're Toronto, they got away with it in the Lightning series because they made plays and they got timely saves. But if you're consistently getting outplayed, you're going to have a hard time winning over a sustained period of time. They got outplayed in game one and they lost. So they pushed back hard in game two and they kind of got goalied. I mean, it wasn't only that. They had some costly mistakes. That ended up in their net as well. Nylander, Nylander was all over kind of the the narrative last night because he had a costly neutral zone turnover on the goal that tied it at two early, first shift of the second period. But I tell you what, Greg, he was the most dangerous player on the ice last night. If you watch the game, every time he was on the ice, he was generating a chance, often for himself. Sometimes he was setting up a teammate, and Bobrovsky stopped him time and time and time again. So we'll see if Toronto can kind of pick up in Game 3 the way they played in Game 2. But the other part of the narrative, Greg, which Paul Maurice pointed out, for Florida, that was the Panthers' uh, fifth game in nine days. So is it reasonable to expect that they would have a game where they weren't pressing as much? That the intensity and the frequency of the games caught up with them a little bit. Yeah. And they still won. Now they get two days to get ready for game three. So let's see where the series goes from here. But that was really the first game, I think, in the series or in the playoffs that Toronto has kind of looked like the team that did so well in the regular season. I don't think they played that well in any of the games against the Lightning, even in game two which the lightning got blown out in that game. I think that was more about the lightning just having a horrendous performance than the Leafs taking it to them.
1: Yeah, you wonder if that's something in the back of Toronto's mind that they I don't I don't know concerned about, but maybe certainly aware of, partner, is that uh, there is something to be said for just surviving and advancing and that's what they did. There is in something round to be one. said for that, of course. But I think also in the back of your mind, you're also thinking too, we definitely have to raise the level of play here because you know we got some bounces and kudos to us for getting those bounces but if we don't play better I don't know if we can rely on that type of of thing to occur in the next round because Florida's yeah Florida's hot right now yeah I mean they are let me let me ask you this. do you feel more comfortable if you're a Florida Panther fan than you are a Toronto Maple Leaf fan much as you want to say about Toronto and how much talent they have I mean I, I was talking to my buddy today, again, who is a big Cats fan, and I was just like, look, statistically speaking, the law of averages, even if you think the Panthers will blow it, the law of averages, you look at this and say, they're in a pretty good spot.
0: They are in a good spot. I mean,
1: they really, Dave, they, they took the first two games on the road. I mean, that's, you know, we, we've stating the obvious there, but that's, boy, you do that, you're feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, and, and for all the years that Toronto had the disappointment of the first round and everything else, they have never lost the first two at home and been in this situation. This is new territory for all of these guys. And let's be honest, they were favored to win this series. Yeah. They were. Maybe they shouldn't have been, and no disrespect meant to the Maple Leafs, but just like the Panthers did beat a team that won 65 games, right? And they came in rolling. And that carried right into game one. And then they battled like they battled. They dug in. How many shots did they block last night? Had to be close to 20. As they were getting like Toronto was leaning on them and they hung in there and Bobrovsky gave them key saves and they made they made plays. It's kind of the Toronto formula, honestly. Against the Lightning. Right. Although I think Bobrovsky was That was one of the best goaltending performances we've seen to this point in the playoffs. That was a flat-out steal. And, look, I heard Henrik Lundqvist kind of break down what was the Barkov goal, the tie the game at two, where he said Brody is screening Samsonov a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that is not a great goal for Samsonov to allow. No. I don't know if you saw the goal. Like, it's from the side. It beats him to the far post. But it wasn't even off the post. Like, it was inside the post. He just picked it up late. The other goals weren't really his fault. No. But.
1: but we always talk about, you know, you have one one bad yep. goal in a game. And I know it. The, the margins are so much smaller. You just, it's almost not enough to sit there and say, look, they, he played well for 59 minutes. And then, you know, gave up a clunker. I mean, that's... Mhm. That's part of this process.
0: Is it possible for Toronto to win four of the next five? Absolutely. Of of the course. Maple Leafs can win four of the next five, but history tells us that it is a very narrow path. It's just hard to do. They're they're running out of games to give. This one from Basil, still very
1: bullish on the Lightning. Strong core, young talents, unparalleled coaching and organization. Sergachev may be the key going forward. Has the potential to be phenomenal, but also prone to mistakes. Much will depend
0: on his commitment to
1: improvement.
0: On yesterday's show, we played back the player sound from the exit interview day and John Cooper. And so we heard from Sergachev and Cooper being asked about Sergachev. And Cooper said he feels he should be in the running for the Norris Trophy moving forward if his career trajectory continues on the path that it's on. And Sergachev, who notoriously is very hard on himself, actually reflected and said, "I I had a good year, or I had a better year than last year, basically. And he acknowledged that. So yep. he had a very, very good year. Let's see if he can continue to build on it.
1: What else did Basil have to say? He said, astounded by the Panthers. Just weeks ago, they looked dead in the water and wondered if the lightning sweep had devastated the future of a promising team. Now looks like they are responding to the sweep. Like Tampa Bay responded to Columbus,
0: improved through grit. So Bill Zito made a concerted effort to make them harder to play against in certainly the the acquisition of Kachuk, but even adding a guy like Nick Cousins, like they added some sandpaper to their roster. And that can really help you in the playoffs. It's not always going to help you in the regular season, though, where the game is is less of kind of a grinded out sort of game. And also they took some time to kind of get these pieces fit into place but they fit the pieces into place coming out of the all-star break and their team did very well over the final two months or whatever the regular season and once they got into the playoffs look they got a loss to the Bruins I mean we mentioned the Bruins had leads in the third period of game six and seven and, and the Panthers easily could have lost either one of those games, and they were in overtime in Game 5. So they won the close games in Games 5, 6, and 7. They needed a sixth attacker goal in Game 7 to get the game tied. But it is no question to me that their team is built to do well in the playoffs based on some of the sandpaper that they have combined with the skill that they have. They're going to make the opponent earn it, right? I think so.
1: I think so. Absolutely. We'll see if it uh, holds up that way for sure, but it's it's been fun to watch that series. Al says, since Chernak has been a lightning, he's missed close to 100 games. Should this be a red flag, especially with the big raise he's getting and the tight cap space? Are there other options? Not suggesting anything your thoughts
0: well so most of that time missed al is related to him blocking shots you've talked about this craig I, you like, know what? I, I would it like be I'm okay for to get out of the way of a few well
1: blocks? i do i do because he doesn't help you if he's not in the lineup and i understand blocking shots is part of today's game it is but if you've got all that equipment and you still are missing games because you were blocking shots. Do you have to ask yourself the question, especially in the regular season, where we see teams change how they play from regular season to postseason, I know it's not how he's wired, and that's going to be the response, but would you rather have Chernock playing in the playoffs? And I know this is different circumstances, but I'm talking about if you were to miss a game in the playoffs, blocking a shot, you can take that, swallow that a little bit more, than game 25
0: that's relatively meaningless. It's hard for these guys to separate I know. I know. And I'll just say this. One reason why we said the Lightning missed Chernak so much in this series is they missed a guy who was blocking some of those shots. They were finding their way through traffic. And either to Maple Leaf sticks for tips or just getting past a screen Vasilevsky. So what Chernak brings is very valuable, and, and he and McDonough blocked a lot of shots together. It's one reason why they were such an effective pair during the time that, that they were teammates and partners. But here's what
1: I'll say to this. I don't know if I can give you a spe- specific example right now off the top of my head. I'm sure maybe when we're talking about a Dave, we can. But throughout the course of the NHL, would you agree that certain guys who played a certain way when they came up changed for whatever reason, whether to stay in the league, stay on the ice, had a different role, they changed the way they played to accommodate themselves and their team to last longer, to be more effective. We've seen examples of that throughout the history of the NHL. You know, a guy who comes up maybe as as a fighter, uh, realizes maybe that's not th- what I need because I can also play, so maybe I pick and choose a little bit more when I drop the gloves. Or maybe it's a guy, could be even be later in his career when things start to slow down, hey, I had to transform my game, I have to become a face-off specialist more than
0: a top six forward. I just don't think a guy who's wired to block shots will turn that off during the regular season because he's afraid of getting hurt. If you're afraid of getting hurt, because you're a shot blocker, you're going to have a hard time maybe stepping in front of a puck. Maybe. So I think you have to have an element of fearlessness about it. Al was asking about concern going forward. If you have a guy who blocks shots, and, and really, all players do block shots. They do. It's just that Chernak is usually in a situation, whether it's because he plays a lot on penalty kill, he's on that side of the ice where it seems like you have a lot of right-handed shooting players on one-timers that that are coming his way, whether it's Ovechkin or, or whomever, I think you're going to have to live with that. Now, the concussions, Phil said he's had concussions. I can remember him. I think he had one other. So it's not like he's had a lot of them, but clearly like he got popped by bunting. Julian Breezebaugh said he was starting to feel better. Meaning Chernak was starting to feel better like shortly after the series ended. So like had the Lightning won the series, he wouldn't have been ready for the start of the second round, but the, the worst was kind of behind him when the second round began essentially. So hopefully he's able to recover from that entirely and can avoid that in the future. So look, a guy with with major like concussion problems, like for example, Pat LaFontaine near the end had had so many concussions and I think he went to the Rangers and it was a really light bump that gave him his final concussion. And like, that would be a situation where, you know, you might have, you might have some reluctance to bring in someone with a massive history of, of having these problems or Andre Kasha, for example, he's a guy that I I feel he gets a lot of concussions. He played one game this year got hit and got a concussion and missed the rest of the year. Chernak is not in that situation. So I guess I would answer the question this way, Al, understanding that you have a different feeling about it, Greg. I think Chernak is who he is, and he's a valuable member of the team, and this is how he plays, and you need players to play that way. So you live with what can come with a guy who might have to miss some time because he blocks a shot. You're right. 100%. Everything you said is accurate. My question is, though,
1: at some point when you're missing games, you are no longer becoming as effective as you can be. The goal is to be on the ice. I don't care if you're a fighter, shot blocker, goal scorer. If you're doing it half the games, and it's not half, but if you're missing key moments... I think it's incumbent upon the player to do everything he can to be available as well. And if that means altering how many pucks you take to the leg during the regular season, I think you need to make that adjustment. But that's me. That is me. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can what was the other question they had? Uh, Basil also want
0: to know: Do you know where one can live stream the Crunch playoff games? I think you can through the American Hockey League site, which is theahl.com. In terms of a website, they also have an app. Yes. When I say theahl, it's actually the word the t h e a h l dot You should be able to find it through there, Basil. Tomorrow at seven. Do it. Is that game five? So hopefully the Crunch can can win that game and advance to the second round. Speaking of the playoffs, Greg, I mean we've got eight teams left in the NHL playoffs. Is there a team that, that you feel maybe is the front runner at this point? I don't know. I, I don't feel great
1: it's hard to about predict, any of right? these teams. I don't <laughs> feel great about anybody really. I think everybody's got, you know, some flaws. You know, you could I mean could you make the argument? You know, Florida the way they're playing right now. I, I let me let me back up by saying this. Out of the teams remaining in the East, I like Carolina the most. I don't know. Even with their change. injuries. Even with their injuries, because I think they play a style, you know, where it's just constant. Go, 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 go. And, you know, the question is, will they get enough goaltending? We've had that discussion yeah. before, but I like Carolina the most, but I'm I'm starting to think maybe the Panthers, if they continue
0: this surge. They would, uh, if they get past Toronto, that would be a hell of a series. I will mention the team, and look, they are not even up in their series, so they may lose this round, but I'm very intrigued by Dallas, and I'm intrigued by Dallas because I think that their team has the combination of game breakers, which they have, pretty good, solid team defense, And maybe in terms of pedigree, maybe the best remaining goalie in the playoffs, Ottinger. I mean, that's a little bit of a bold statement just because he doesn't have a ton of experience. but And he's had a couple of games already this playoff year where he's given up a fair number of goals. But he's also had a fair number of games where he's really locked it down for Dallas. So I am very curious to see their trajectory this year. Also, Peter DeBoer has a history of, in his first year with a new team, taking them to the Stanley Cup final. He did it with New Jersey in 2012. He did it with San Jose in 2016. Both those teams lost in the final. But clearly he comes in and gives the, the team that he is joining kind of a burst. And Dallas took uh, their team from last year that was really good defensively. And had one line, they become more dynamic this year while maintaining still a pretty high standard of, of how they defend. Doesn't mean they're going to win. It's a good mean one. Win, good one. <laughs> I mean, it's a good one. I like it. Yeah. It's a good one for sure. Pavelski's back now. He's got five goals in two yeah, games he's, in the he's series. Been a machine. Been a machine. Mm-hmm. In terms but, of game breakers, I mean, the team with the most game breakers, with a nod to Toronto, is Edmonton. But all that great team defense Edmonton was showing toward the end of the regular season, that has gone out the window in the playoffs. They gave up a ton of goals in the L.A. series, and they gave up five plus an empty netter against Vegas and lost a game in which Drysaddle had four goals, just like Dallas lost a game in which Pavelski had four goals. But I have more confidence that Dallas can correct things defensively than Edmonton. Based on what the Oilers have have showed us, in terms of how they play.
1: Well, we'll continue to watch it. Yes, we will, but we won't be talking about it for a few months. Not until the fall. <laughs> Not until the fall, partner. This was a a blast doing it with you again. What has this been? A Couple of years, right? I mean, we.
0: Yeah. So i i was uh, I was brought on during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic. I don't know if we can say when the pandemic actually ended it kind of it kind of fizzled out a little bit in terms of kind of the the restrictions being lifted and all of that but it was during that pause before the bubble that you and I started doing the show together of course we had done a lot on on game broadcasts conversing but it's been a lot of fun I enjoyed a lot of deep runs since we've had the yeah, show together. We've had some good hockey talk. As yeah, we'd, we'd and like this is say. the one year that we have an earlier off season. But that's the way. That's the way it goes sometimes.
1: Well, partner, I appreciate you. I appreciate Steve Versnick and I appreciate everybody who listened to us and all of our guests. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I am Greg Linell. You've been listening to Power Lunch right here on Lightning Radio.